Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing. The double is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational. It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. It's 2020. Welcome to the new year, the new decade and the fifth year of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Take things back to the start of the 2010s and the idea of a podcast run by us two would have been more confusing than unbelievable. But in this episode, we're looking back at the 2010s, a decade in which Manchester United have overwhelmingly disappointed and yet have won five major trophies and reached the finals of two European competitions. This is United we're talking about, so we go through the top goals, moments, games and signings of the decade, as well as the worst five games and the signings we missed out on. Jack, let's kick things off with the top goals. This is going to be narrowed down to five. We hope if, if we can be decisive enough um, in the next few minutes. But starting with the top goals of, of the 2010s, it's been a, a decade in which, apart from the, the first three years of, of these 10 years, has, has disappointed. And yet we've kind of been graced by, by some fantastic goals, which is the nature for, for any football club. We'll start with one early off in the 2010s with the, the Wayne Rooney goal overhead kick against Manchester City. Miscalculates. Manny. It defies description. How about superb? An overhead kick here earlier this season by Dimitar Berbatov, which was good enough, but this surpasses it. Before we mention the others, this one just for 
not only the the quality of the goal and and you can say he shinned it, which he he probably did, but not only the quality of goal, but the the time it came in, the era it came in, when City, the noisy neighbours, were starting to challenge Manchester United. Rooney was thinking about going over uh, across the city to the noisy neighbours like Carlos Tevez. And then he has a terrible game against City. He's brought back into the side ahead of someone like Javier Hernandez and produces this after a terrible game, produces this just sheer moment of magic that, as Martin Tyler says, defies description. For me, this was the moment Wayne Rooney endeared himself to United fans all over again. As you say, he's been flirting with a move away, potentially to Man City, potentially to Chelsea. And there was a lot of animosity towards Wayne Rooney at the time. And I think this was the moment when he really made himself a United legend for life. And the goal had absolutely everything. You pick up that goal and put it in any match on any occasion. It could have been in the Community Shield and it still would have been an unbelievable goal. But add to it the, the occasion, the pressure, the way it, it, it sort of beat back City and stopped their rise as noisy neighbours was just incredible. And I think, you know, forget just this decade, that would be in the top five United goals of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, the importance of it and the fact that it also related to the title race as well as everything I just said makes it makes it so good. And yeah, it was it was also the fact that when you watch it back now, you see how Rooney misses a touch in the build up to the to the goal, and it's kind of just a a, a signal of how bad he's been in the game. Comes out to Nani, and then even even now you see the cross kind of being whipped in by Nari, floated in. And then you see Rooney lining up to to shape for that overhead kick, and think this is this is just ridiculous, and it, it's still spine tingling. Um, there's there's been a few other great goals. We'll go to the the next one in terms of uh, chronology before we move on to a few others. Van Persie against Aston Villa. Rooney inside his own half looks up, spots Van Persie running just in the centre of the pitch, and floats over this wonderful sixty yard Hollywood pass that Rooney came to love in in the latter years of his career. Van Persie. <laughs> Again, you could say he shinned it. Um, so we started off with, with two shinned goals. But uh, even so, the volley to win Manchester United the, their 20th league title in Alex Ferguson's last season. And again, it's not it's not just the quality of the goal, but it's the importance of it as well. Now Rooney. And Percy making a trademark run again. And what a ball to pick him out. Absolutely, title number twenty secured by by number twenty for Manchester United. One of the probably the best signing we've made all decade, and it's an unbelievable strike. It, it was everything, as you said. Both, I think, what makes the best goals that we remember for a long time isn't just the best strikes; it's the moment as well. It's the gravitas of it, and to secure that twentieth title in Ferguson's last season, and just the, that connection between Rooney and Van Persie, which had been so strong all season, really coming to the fore at the end. It's just a, an unbelievable strike by Van Persie. I mean, the the connection, whether it came off his shin or not, the sweetness of that connection. I mean, I can remember for weeks after that goal went in, going down to the five-a-side five pitches near my house and me and my friends trying to recreate that Van <laughs> yeah. Persie goal for, for hours on end, you know, and, and none of us making a sweet contact once. And it you know, just makes you appreciate the pure skill and, and just unbelievable technique that it took to, to make that goal happen. Yeah, it's the, way he, it's the way he watches it over his shoulder and you see him watching it the whole time. He kind of swings out his run to the left a bit, watches it over his shoulder and then just that connection, as you say, is so sweet and, and something that I will probably never, ever do in my life, no matter how many times I try. Right, um, we're going to go to to Anfield where Juan Mata scissor kicks it in in, in an event that... that is known as Juan Field. This was, uh, again, it's, it's the importance of it. It's at Liverpool. This is Matter in, in a Louis van Gaal, Manchester United team. 
and in a Van Hall team that is giving United fans a bit more hope than David Moyes was. And this is at the stage where we still think it might not take four decades for us to become a, a good football team again. And, and there's this little dink <laughs> ball over the top of the Liverpool defence and Mata, just this this little magic Spaniard who we'd signed from Chelsea, produces this this moment of magic and, and Sizzer kicks it in in a, in a way that just my body even wouldn't allow me to get in that position, let alone connect with it in the right way and put United up at Anfield. I remember watching this game and seeing the ball kind of float over to Mata. I think it was Di Maria that played the pass out there. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and first of all, I was wondering why Di Maria is playing it out there because he was about 25 yards from goal right in the middle of the box and you just think, oh, shoot. And then seeing Mata kind of shape up for this shot and it can't have just been me that was just sitting there thinking, what Stunned. are you doing? You know, <laughs> like take a touch, put a cross in the box and then you just watch it come off his come off his, his boot into the far corner and it's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. the, the strike is so clean and, and then the celebrations that come up, come after it were amazing. And, you know, it's yeah. great to think that even, even in the terrible few years that we've had, we've still not ever really let Liverpool become dominant over us. You know, they've had some good results, but we've had just as many amazing moments against Liverpool, even in our, our sort of worst period in decades. Yeah, it's, it's, it's those goals that make you think what you're doing that are the best. I remember my dad telling, I think my dad was in, was in the end at Wimbledon when David Beckham scored his halfway line goal. He was behind the goal that Beckham's shot eventually kind of nestled into. And as he obviously, like probably half the United fans in, in the ground that day saw Beckham, shaping up to shoot and just went what are you doing and the same you could say the same for Rudio's overhead kick for Matis' scissor kick and also for the Womble Gonzi now which is again as you say in a, in a bad period for Manchester United and, and from a player this time that just underwhelmed so so hugely at United inherent Mkhitaryan and yet produces again a moment of magic with with his scorpion kick against Sunderland and that was really it was, it was then kind of bettered by Olivier Giroud for Arsenal but at the time you just thought what what's he done there? That is that is just a sheer moment of genius, of instinct, and of of complete skill. I mean, this this is the kind of thing you don't you don't even try when you're playing FIFA with your mates, you know. And then you've got yeah. Henrik Mkhitaryan trying it in a Premier League game. It's it's ridiculous, but it came off, and it was a brilliant strike. And one of those moments where you just watch something happen, and you just think, "What have I just seen?" I think the Rooney overhead kick was another one. And obviously, it ended up getting bettered really by by Giroud, as you said. But I think at the time, it was just we'd never we'd never really seen anyone score a goal like this in the, in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we've we've gone through four. I've got written down Wayne Rooney against Arsenal. Now this was in the the Louis Van Gaal United are wearing their blue. Which I one? Think, third. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. Yeah, yeah, there have been plenty. But United are uh, on the counter attack. Rooney's with Angel Di Maria, and then he finishes it off. This is a quite a, an aging Wayne Rooney, probably 29 or 30 at this point, maybe 31. And he finishes it after a long busting run with a little chip. Yeah, we're wearing the blue, the blue and red kit. Yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and he runs into the away end and celebrates there. Now I've got that written down. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna spend too long on it because it's it's clearly not of the quality. But it was such a satisfying counter attacking goal yeah. that it's I had more to, on there for the moment than, than the goal itself. Yeah, an honourable mention. Um, but we should talk about Wayne Rooney again um, on his second contribution to the list and, and his, as we are mentioning, David Beckham's halfway line goal, Wayne Rooney's halfway line goal against West Ham, which he then, he bested himself when he went back to Everton and, and did it against West Ham again. So yeah. this was, I mean, it, it kind of makes it even better that it, it wasn't a one-off. And I remember him talking about it a couple of years after and he said that he'd been looking throughout the game and he'd been looking over his shoulder and seeing the goalkeeper off his line 
and just waiting for, for the chance. Not necessarily to score from the halfway line, but he, he said he knew that if a chance came that the West Ham goalkeeper would be off his line and that he might be able to, to surprise him with an early shot. And as it happened, that early shot came from within his own half on the half volley. <laughs> and he just manages to do this ridiculous goal which leaves the keeper on the floor. And I think that's the best bit. As the ball bounces, you see the keeper look around, look at it, and then he just goes, oh, yeah. and he falls over into his own net. And that is so satisfying and so humiliating. Yeah, I mean, it's just that, that strike is... For me, the one for Everton against West Ham is better than his one for United. But even the even the one for United yeah. is just crazy to even think about trying to do that. And you know, as you said, in the one for Everton when he he's kind of sort of was seeing the goalkeeper off his line. I think that was so much the intelligence of Wayne Rooney and his football brain in that so much of what he does appears instinctual on the pitch. And I think it was a lot of the time instinctive, but he, his football brain was so so amazing, and he had so much awareness on the pitch. And even 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 in his older years, as he you know went through a very rapid decline, I don't think he ever really lost that ability to just be so aware of his surroundings on the pitch. Yeah, right. We're gonna we're gonna rewind back to um, pretty near the start of the decade, possibly even before Rooney's goal against City, the overhead kick. Certainly in the same season with the same kit, um, that that red shirt with the the white collar and the the Aon sponsor, but Dimitar Berbatov, yeah. who scored his own overhead kick. Not quite as as dramatic, maybe, or not not necessarily dramatic, but not quite as from far out, not as satisfying. But the ball comes in for Berbatov from Nani. Berbatov's chest it down, and then just kind of again does this thing where you just think that how not only how have you done that, but where have you got this idea from? Chest it down, and then just kicks it over his head into the, into the top corner of the Liverpool goal um, to wrap up a hat trick in a, in a three two win in in a in a northwest derby. That again, the importance, the quality of the goal. The moment, the drama, it, it, that that goal had it all. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, any any goal to seal yourself a hat trick against Liverpool is going to be a special moment. But I mean, that goal was of some quality, and I think you know Berbatov was something of a, a bit of a cult hero. In, I think in the end at United, and some of the moments that he produced were absolutely sublime. And this was probably top of that list. The quality, the finish, and also the moment and finishing off his hat trick against Liverpool was, was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and we're going to move on to talk about top five moments and top five games. And I'm sure Berbatov and, and games against Liverpool will come up again. Now, I've, I've mentioned seven games um, or seven goals, in fact. There's two honourable mentions. I think Marcus Rashford's recent free kick in the League Cup against Chelsea was just astonishingly good. Yeah. And I, I don't think we can get away without mentioning that. Um, but also Angel Di Maria's chip against Leicester in that really disappointing 5-3 game where United were yeah, doing so well absolutely. and it, it seemed like this this signing of Di Maria and Falcao would would go so well and Di Maria just does this, this little chip um, kind of reminiscent of Ronaldinho at it was the first time. I'm pretty sure it was the first time we'd had the we had, we'd had the quartet of Rooney, Falcao, Van Persie and Di Maria starting a yeah. game together and it all looked to be going so well and I think this goal suffers a little bit because of what the game ended up being but nothing should take away from the quality of that strike yeah definitely right let's move on to the top five moments of the 2010s for Manchester United going to start and we're going to go in chronological order in this one um, we're going to start with a 2-1 win against Chelsea um, these aren't all necessarily going to be games but in fact not even not even the win against Chelsea but Javier Hernandez scoring in the first minute I think it was after 53 seconds it might have been even quicker than that against Chelsea in May 2011 to effectively win Manchester United the Premier League title I remember I was uh, we'd been given tickets by um, our mates who were really who, who their their great granddad I think or maybe their granddad had been mates with Samat Busby 
So they've had these season tickets on basically the halfway line at Old Trafford, basically since Busby's days in exactly the same seats, uh, the third row on the halfway line, amazing seats. And they, they were on holiday, couldn't go to this game. And they just said, look, have them. And we sat there and watched Hernandez score after 50, 30 seconds, whatever it was, to, to wrap up the title basically for United. And that was the the moment the United sealed their their 19th title almost. Yeah, one of my favourite games to watch ever, especially after, especially through the 2000s and the late 2000s. In particular, Chelsea had caused United so many problems. And to this day, I think are still the team we have the worst record against in the Premier League. The only team that Sir Alex Ferguson ended up with. Yeah less than a winning record against. And so just having that over a team that caused us so many issues was so, so satisfying. And especially with Hernandez opening the scoring so quickly, it has everything, you know, the the moment was incredible, not just because of the occasion, because of the team it was against and just how quickly it came at the start of the game. Yeah, early goals are just always so satisfying as well. And then the Manu Vidic got a second in the in the 23rd minute, which is actually, I'd forgotten he'd scored the second goal in that game. Right, we're going to fast forward a couple of years to United's next title. This is not the game where United won the title and, and the three goals from Robin van Persie against Villa, which we've mentioned already, were obviously incredible. But as a moment, 2013, again in May, and United beat Swansea City 2-1. Rio Ferdinand gets the win. I think it was his first goal in five years or something. And then so Alex Ferguson's gets a guard of honour before the game. Old Trafford is at its best, his very best on that day. And then his emotional speech after the game in which he thanks Paul Scholes, who's on his way to retirement. Brian Giggs, who doesn't retire for another year. But there's there's so many players who he mentions and he says, look, stand by your new manager. I'm not going to try to do his, 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 uh, his accent. Um, because I think he'd, he'd probably be offended by it. But it, as a whole day, <laughs> it was just this celebration of the greatest football manager to have to have lived. And, and it was a, a really special moment. It was a moment unlike any other, I think, that I've ever seen. I think part made so much better by the fact that it was, you know, a ceremonial game in, in the fact that we'd already wrapped up the title. Weeks before, the, yeah. The only other thing you can, you can think of that, you know, was really rivaling it was Arsene Wenger leaving Arsenal. But I think the difference with that was obviously... The, the state of Arsenal as a, as a football club was so much worse than, than United was when Ferguson left. It was such a special day for everyone involved in Manchester United. And for, I mean, Ferdinand's finish alone was uh, good enough to almost get into uh, the top goals. I think what a finish that was by, yeah. by Rio. And Ferguson's speech at the end, I'll never forget when he said, thank you for being the best experience of my life. And it really just summed up everything that he had given to the football club and everything that the football club had, had given to him as well. Yeah, I've there, there are two things on my Sky, on my family's Sky Plus planner that we've had there for, for almost a decade now. Um, and it is the, the recording. It says live Monday night football and it's when Van Persie got his hat-trick against Aston Villa. We've got the entire match recorded. And uh, and the second one is, is Super Sunday and it's United lifting the trophy against Swansea and Ferguson's last game. And those are the two things which I hope are are never deleted in their entirety. There's just three hours of coverage. One of United confirming their status as 20 times champions of England and one of Sir Alex Ferguson's last games. And sometimes after maybe United lost and then you go down the next morning, you think, well, I'll just, I'll just stick on 10, 15 minutes of it. And it's, it's, it probably makes you feel worse, but for, for about 15 minutes, you just (laughs) think this was, this was a really incredible time to be a proper spine tingling moment incredible time to be a United fan and the fact that that was in the last decade you've got to remember that Um, right we we should race through a few of those the first one is is Marcus Rashford two goals against FC Midtjylland and two goals against Arsenal that week was 
incredible when he when he first broke through in 2015. One of the best weeks I can remember as a United fan. It, it seemed like a passing of the torch as he came in and really showed us what the future of Manchester United was, was all about. And now I think has even more more poignancy in the fact that he's really sort of becoming a world class player before our eyes. Yeah, and his his partner as as he was then and as he is now, Anthony Martial, the two one. Um, not against Liverpool, which was earlier in that season when Martial had signed. That was really an incredible moment as well. And, and I'll say what someone on Twitter said about that. But I think the most, the best moment for me, even though that Liverpool one will, will I'll, really, I'll remember that basically for the rest of my life. But watching Martial score a 93rd minute, poked through by Ander Herrera against Everton in the 2015 FA Cup semi-final to get us to the final was in, it just incredible. Oh, and the the scenes when that went in, you can. I've never seen a camera shake like that at the new Wembley in any other moment. It was. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think don't think I've ever gone more nuts than, than that this decade for a United goal. It just seemed like it was our chance at a trophy was slipping away through our fingers, and and Martial pops up with this goal to really cap off a, a brilliant season for him. And I still to this day have never seen a a crowd that into it at a game at the new Wembley in that sort of atmosphere yeah I've actually got a picture of the, the celebrations that on my wall at the moment I've, I forgot about that but there's just a tiny picture of I think it's got Martial Smalling just kind of diving into the fans and, and hugging them and I was at the other end of Wembley that day um, and I just saw it all happen hands on um, hands beneath my my arse on my seat um, trying to contain myself and watching that all and just thinking this is this is magic um, and that that was pretty special but obviously his goal against Liverpool too and David on Twitter says the Martial goal against Liverpool is, is the best moment of the decade for me so much chatter about him and his price tag and he came up so huge in that moment and he, he has an absolutely valid point and that was just such a memorable goal memorable commentary and Martial has gone on for all his faults to to be a, a crucial player for United in, in the second half of the decade. But um, another another moment at Wembley, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the Community Shield, scores against Leicester. Jose Mourinho has just become United manager in that summer. Signed Ibrahimovic, Ibrahimovic scores. And just before the Community Shield, about an hour before, I remember being in the pub. It's called the, the Green Man, just around the corner from Wembley. This lovely sunny day in August, August 7th, 8th or something, before the Premier League kicks off. And this this kind of noise goes around. There's sort of, of course there's noise in the pub before uh, a final, if you can call it that, the Community Shield at Wembley. But this kind of chatter starts going around the Green Man pub, and everyone starts looking at their phones. Terrible signal, and you start getting this thing through of Manchester United announced Paul Pogba is having a medical at the club before a world record move, and you just think, right, we've got Mourinho as manager, Paul Pogba is coming back, and we signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Things are starting to move in the right way, and obviously you can look back at that now and think, well, things turned sour, but that moment for itself, singing Pogba's coming home on a sunny day in uh, in northwest London was pretty special. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, regardless of how it turned out, doesn't take away from how amazing that those few days were as a United fan, really, I think was the most optimistic we've been as a, as a set of fans in a long time. And it felt like we, we finally had a, a truly world-class manager and we were buying some truly world-class players. And for all his faults, Ibrahimovic did deliver some great moments to us throughout that season as well yeah right we're going to move on to our, our top games in just a second but the the final best moment is, is the recent one is, is Marcus Rashford in Paris um, oh absolutely yeah and another one which obviously doesn't actually have that, that much importance but it was not just the fact that we'd, we'd come from behind to beat PSG in Paris this, this magical rainy night in Paris but also that 
on the pitch at the time were Mason Greenwood, Heath Chong, Angel Gomez, Marcus Rashford who had to wait to take his penalty and then did it and, and ran into the, the travelling United fans. This was not just a great game, but a, a, just a really genuinely brilliant moment. Yeah, and the fact that we had so many youth team players on the pitch and that it was a, a product of, of the academy that came through and, and clutched up in that moment made it all the more special because I think it summed up so much of what makes Manchester United the club that it is. Yeah, right. We're gonna we're gonna mention one in passing. Alonso on Twitter says, "No irony. It has to be Danny Welbeck's goal at the Burner Bow in 2013. Legends never die." Now, I wouldn't actually put this as one of my best goal, best moments of the of the <laughs> 2010s. But as as a Danny Welbeck lover of that guy, that guy Welbs, I ha- I have to say this this was a, <laughs> an amazing moment. And to be fair. Not as good as Paris, not as good as Rashford scoring in Paris to win it for United, but an academy product, Danny Welbeck scoring at the Bernabeu is something I, I will never forget. It was a properly good moment, to be fair to, to Danny Welbeck. I think every United fan went absolutely wild when that came in. I think for me, it gets spoiled a little bit because when I think about Welbeck in the Champions League, my overriding memory is uh, him deciding to try and chip Manuel Neuer from six yards out at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah. But regardless of that it, it was a properly good moment when he scored at the Bernabeu because he went into that game such big underdogs and he he had so many doubters at the time and him scoring that goal was just incredible yeah and Phil Jones marking Cristiano Ronaldo out, out of the game as well at the Bernabeu and yeah. to, be, to be fair I remember um, that was one of the the probably one of the first big Champions League games I got tickets for at Old Trafford since my first game which was the the 7-1 against Roma in 2007 I think it was Um and we got tickets for a home leg. So we when when you've got tickets for the second leg, you're kind of watching the first leg. And if it all goes wrong, then you're going to go into the, into that game at Old Trafford thinking, well, that this has nothing to it. But for the next three weeks, this was when Champions League ties were spread over basically a month. And the first one was in the second week of February or something. And the, the second leg was at, at the second week of March. I remember the whole of that time, just looking forward to going to Old Trafford to see United take on Ronaldo and Mourinho's Real Madrid and and we thought we had a chance and perhaps we we would have done and this was when we were still on for an unlikely treble in Fergie's last year so that that was special to be fair right Jack move on to top five games give us give us your entries all right well I think there's a few very obvious places to start and chief among them 100% has to be 6-1 loss against Manchester City going all the way back to 2011 you know, we talked about Rooney's overhead kick and how we sort of beat back the, the rising tide of, of Manchester City and Manchester. But this, at least to me, really felt like the moment that Van City announced themselves as as more than just noisy neighbours, but as, as true competitors for the title of, of Manchester's finest. Yeah, the sixth one obviously comes to comes to mind when you're talking about the worst games of, of the decade. Uh, a, a painful one, one that, that will never really be avenged unless United managed to kind of... Uh, do something even worse on City, um, and this was this was just after a time where United and City had started the 2011 season in, in this ridiculous form, where United had beaten Arsenal eight two. I think City had beaten Spurs five one, and, and they were just rampaging against yeah. every every team. But the worst thing about the sixth one for me was that we were three one down when it went into added time, and, and we just crumbled and, and allowed them to have this yeah. this mark of, of of victory that will never be forgotten. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't. And you know, this is, it's easy to sound like sour grapes now when you're saying this, but it wasn't as a dom- as dominant a performance as it as you think in looking at the scoreline. But it's that capitulation at the end that just kind of haunts you. And I think, despite the scoreline, what I will always remember from that game is is Mario that Balotelli 
this why always me shirt that will haunt haunt me for a long time that image yeah yeah no doubt and then moving on i think probably second on a lot more maybe even first on a lot of people's list a game that will go down in infamy for a long time i remember i was i was actually on a school trip when this happened over the summer uh in in the u.s and i i wasn't i wasn't watching the game and i woke up in the morning and saw the scoreline of four nil to mk dons and just had the absolute shit taken out of me the next day by every single person around me and there is of course a 4-0 yeah. loss to MK Dons in the in the League Cup in 2014 I mean where, the, where do you even start with this game well it, it was the kind of it was the first of the really really embarrassing results of this decade not because the sixth yeah. one obviously was humiliating and always will be but it was a, a rare occurrence and this MK Dons one we thought well no nah, this is it United have, have reached the trough they, they, they will never get worse than this and yet we have gone on to have some some results that, that probably match that one. And th- this was a United team that two years ago had been champions of England and, and suddenly are suffering this yeah. ignominy of, of losing to MK Dons 4-0. It was, it was truly terrible. I think for me, you know, we've had obviously some properly bad results since then and some properly bad times. But I think in terms of embarrassment, I think that was the low of the decade for me. As much as the City game was an awful experience, especially for the City bragging rights, I think in terms of sheer embarrassment as a football club and as a fan the 4-0 against MK Dons was was the peak of that for me and then moving on we'll go to uh, the 4-0 loss against Everton at the end of last season obviously had just appointed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer permanent manager then suffered a slump in form we go to Goodenson Park hoping to to bounce back and finally get a win especially an away win after a very long time and yet we just got absolutely pummeled it the team fully gave up on Solskjaer that day and it's one of the few times I've ever seen a team truly truly give up on their manager and it, it was absolutely shocking to see yeah it was it was just such a painful one because even though obviously the form had gone out the window from Solskjaer's start this was kind of like you kind of felt like th- this could be it already um and, and it, it turns out it hasn't been and we've had some some great moments since then but at the time, it was such a such a painful one. Yeah, and it, the goals just kept going in, and you just thought it, it's got to stop. It, it's going to stop soon. You know, we'll, we'll get one back, or you know, we'll just sort of shut up shop and and, st- and stop the goals flowing. And it, and it just never did. It just kept going until the end. Yeah. Then I think we'll we'll go back to the start of the decade for a game that wasn't so bad for the game itself, but more the moment and what it represented. And that is the 2011 Champions League final. It's easy to forget that United as recently as, as this decade, just nine years ago, were Champions League finalists and you know competing with the cream of the crop in Europe. But I think that game in Rome in 2011 where we lost to 2-0 to Barcelona was... It was a, a sobering moment for United fans, I think, as we realised that actually we were quite a long way from the best team in Europe. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite as bad as, as 2009, purely because 2009 we went in with the assumption that we were still the best team in the world. We we were European champions, yeah. Premier League champions, uh, three time three time consecutive Premier League champions, and we kind of went in with Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez. I just assumed that not that we were going to win, but we thought, look, look we, we should be winning this game. And Barcelona just played us off the park. Twenty eleven was slightly different. We went into it thinking I, we're not quite sure how we got here, but we have done, and now we're in it. Maybe we'll we'll get our, our fourth Champions League title and we didn't it was clearly a painful one and one where Messi just kind of destroyed us and obviously the rest of Barcelona's team did as well but you just watched Messi and thought this is this is insane yeah and again I think this is it's a terrible game more so 
for the moment and what it represented in, in terms of how painful it was to lose another Champions League final two years after losing in 2009 rather than the actual game because this was far from embarrassing it was just a, a Lionel Messi masterclass and, and it really showed yeah, the difference in, in class between you know Wayne Rooney who was in his own right a world class player and had sort of carried us that whole season and a truly generational potentially best ever player in Lionel Messi yeah it was the fact that if that Barcelona team hadn't come along then United would probably be five time champions of Europe yeah Next up, we'll stick with the Champions League and we'll go to the 3-2 defeat to Wolfsburg in 2015. Louis van Gaal's second season, having guided United to fourth in the Premier League the season before, back into the Champions League. We had stumbled through a relatively easy group and ended up needing to avoid defeat against Wolfsburg. We went to Germany and lost 3-2 in a truly just catastrophic implosion. It, it was a an awful, awful performance and it, it was sobering after a season in which everything had been about our return to the Champions League and how far could we go to have that ripped away from us yeah. in the group stage was was just devastating have it ripped away for for no reason as well and and it, it wasn't just the loss it was a to be fair it provided one of the great moments of, of Nick Powell coming on for Manchester United to save us in the, in the <laughs> Champions League which can never be forgotten um yeah another really painful one there's actually one more I just want to add and uh yeah go back to the to Everton is the 4-4 draw with Everton in yeah. what must have been 20... It must have been the end of the 2012 season. Yeah. Um, I think it was. It was in the run-up to um, City winning the title. Yeah, um, yeah. 2012 and drawing 4-4 to Everton when we absolutely shouldn't have done that was basically yeah. the moment we lost the league and, and gave City their first Premier League title. So that I think should certainly be up to, there. To add on to that as well, in that same run-in, Losing, I think it was one nil to City at the Etihad from a Vincent Company header. Yeah, yeah, that was a truly terrible moment. And then a few honourable mentions to finish off the four nil defeat to Chelsea in 2016, where Pedro scored the first, uh, the opening goal after about a minute in Mourinho's first uh, return to Chelsea as United manager. And then a couple of defeats to Liverpool, both of which pretty much spelled the end of two United managers. Firstly, the three nil loss in David Moyes' only season. <laughs> Uh, right to, towards the end of the season. I think after the Liverpool game, we also lost 3-0 to Everton, which ended up being Moyes' last game. But I mean, just a, it'd been a season of, of obviously huge lows, but we'd sort of managed to avoid a, a truly humiliating defeat against one of our main rivals. And this was it. It was Liverpool. I mean, it was not just being us 3-0, but completely playing us off the park. And I think, you know, we talked about the 6-1 and that we didn't get dominated as badly as the scoreline shows. But we were dominated as badly as the scoreline shows. Yeah, and it, it felt like we were almost giving them the title as well because it was a season where yeah. Suarez, Sturridge, Gerrard, etc., were en route to the title at that point. Yeah, and then the, the, the final one is a three-one defeat against Liverpool. Mourinho's final game. Again, it just showed us how far we'd fallen behind our rivals, and it showed two historic clubs going in completely opposite directions. Right, let's move on to the, the top five games of the decade to bring a, a positive smile back on everyone's face. And to be fair, for all the bad games and for all the bad moments and the fact that United haven't been as good as we would like them to be this decade, following United in the 2010s has not clear has clearly not been a problem. There have been so many good moments, so many fantastic ones that won't we won't even mention. We should start off with let's start off with the best one. Eight uh, two against Arsenal, the 28th of August 2011, and the reason I can remember it was um, because it was on my birthday. And I watched United just absolutely tear Arsene Wenger's Arsenal apart. 
and this was as much a, a signal of Arsenal's demise as, as United's greatness. But new signing Ashley Young scores twice with a curler. Rooney scores a hat-trick, gets his 150th Premier League goal in the in the meantime. Jisung Park got the sixth. Um, Danny Welbeck got on before he was injured. David De Gea saved the Van Persie penalty, which is actually crucial for, for De Gea's career as well at the start of a new season. This was a game that just is is really hard to beat at any point not for not for drama not for the best to celebrate but just for how well united played it was yeah just an an, an unbelievable performance really it was it was an unbelievable feeling to watch that and watch united just absolutely tear into a team and be as ruthless as that i mean 8-2 is just not it's not normal <laughs> and that you know that sounds like I'm underselling it but that really is the best way I can describe it it's not a scoreline that you should see let alone in the Premier League you shouldn't see it in professional football anywhere and to see you know two of the best clubs in England having a scoreline like that, like that was just incredible yeah it was it was as a as an 11 year old kid I remember watching it and just uh, just kind of like demanding more like when's the 6th when's the 7th when's yeah. the 8th when the ninth, etc and it just seemed to keep going and keep going and, and for it to be against Arsenal the team that United had had, had such a rivalry was insane um, right there's a there's a couple of games against City um, under Jose Mourinho to stop City winning the title against us obviously they won the title anyway but yeah, Paul Popper and Chris Smalling that was just it was just the fact we went into that game just thinking this this will be the worst moment of of all time. This this, this cannot yeah. be beaten as the most embarrassing moment. Not only are we going to be beaten by City, but we're going to give them the title by doing it. And instead, and then and then they 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 score two goals. And Martin Tyler is reading out these these scripted lines of oh this is City's champagne football to win them the Premier League title. You can tell he's got these lines. He's thought about them all week. He's, He's ready to listen back to the highlights in 10 years of him commentating on City winning the league against Manchester United, this dramatic moment. They go 2-0 up and then United come out for the second half and just tear them apart and, and the whole game changes and this is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a sign of how United have fallen but also this was just fucking brilliant. Yeah, it really was and I actually, I remember I was watching the game, game in my room at, at university and I actually remember walking out and going for a walk because I was so angry watching the first half. And I couldn't, I couldn't bear to watch Man City win the title against us. And then coming back to my room and I'd left the game on on my laptop and coming back and seeing that it was 2-1. And then just watching that second half performance was absolutely incredible. And the way that we fought to hold on at the end, De Gea making a great save from an Aguero header, was it was bloody brilliant watching it. And it, it was, again, you hate to, to love this moment so much because it was us simply just delaying Man City winning the title rather than us winning it ourselves. But doesn't take away from what a brilliant game that was yeah the other one against City is is the 2012 I think it's another one that sticks in my brain the the date of it December the 9th 2012 I think if I if I remember correctly Ron Van Persie chooses red over blue scores a deflected yeah. free kick off Sami Nasri the player who chose blue over red comes off Nasri's foot beats Joe Hart and Van Persie goes running into the the away end at the Etihad's blue flares going off behind them Rio Ferdinand's been hit by a coin in this game United have got their tablecloth um, shirt on and this in December talk about Liverpool's dominance at the moment this in December you kind of thought well this is it United have won the league and to be honest United did never look back no one looked in front everyone competed yeah. behind United and, and that was it United had won their 20th title had beaten the noisy neighbours and done it in a dramatic way in December before anything else had even happened there have been very few goals I celebrated the way that I celebrated that Van Persie goal and the celebration with everyone behind the goal and there was such a unity in that United team at that point with everyone sort of pulling United towards what would eventually become 
the the last title of the Ferguson reign was an incredible moment. It really did really did feel like the title winning moment, despite coming in December. Yeah, absolutely right. A game against Liverpool. Uh, we mentioned the Dimitar Berbatov overhead kick earlier. The three two against Liverpool. Berbatov scores a hat trick. I was on a. I can't remember if it was a school trip or some other like kind of club I was with. I was on some kind of trip to Legoland, um, and I tried to get out <laughs> of it, but my mum had told me that like I'd I'd already paid for it. I had to go. I was signed up to do it on a trip to Legoland, and we're on the coach back. I think it must have it must have been like a Sunday late kickoff or something because we're on the coach back from this trip. Um, just been to Legoland. I remember seeing the the Pope mobile because the the Pope had just gone to Ireland on on some trip, and I, I remember being excited by that. Anyway, <laughs> on the on the coach back from Legoland. And uh, the leader of whoever, whatever trip I was on says uh, they knew I was a United fan. Everyone else in, in, in my school or whatever was an Arsenal fan because I grew up around the Emirates and goes, ah, United of Liverpool beating United 2-0, really comfortable game. And all the Arsenal fans are celebrating around me, taking the piss and everything. And then she goes, no, I'm joking. Berbatov scored a hat-trick. You won 3-2. <laughs> right. it was, uh, not, not, I'd missed the game, but not only... Did I get to celebrate it then? But I celebrated while all these these thirty Arsenal fans who had just been celebrating around me just looked absolutely doomed and gloomed because United had in fact performed in this incredible way. And Berbatov, and that's what makes it. so many of these moments so great for United fans. It's not just the moment in itself, but it's it's coming against our best, our biggest rivals, you know. And it's something that struck me so much as I was kind of coming up with my list of of best and worst games. That often it, it's not so much about the scoreline; it's the moments and. and who it's against and what it represents and just how, you know, it seems silly to say the big games are the biggest because you, you feel like you always know that. But when you look back at the games that you remember from seven, eight, nine years ago, it is the the biggest games against the main rivals that really stick with you and you, you, you really carry through. Yeah, right. We should mention, um, talking of brilliant strikers, Ron Van Persie, the 3-0 against Villa. That was the, the crowning moment. Yeah. Um, another one, I missed the first two goals. Uh, I was out I think I was swimming or something back when I, I would have been 12 or 13 uh, missed the first two goals came back my brother was sitting on the sofa absolutely buzzing United on, on route I'd been listening in the car to Alan Green commentating on the radio he was getting all excited United on route to their 20th title come back and see Van Persie score his third and run off in celebration I think it was with Ryan Giggs in, in the on the halfway line at Old Trafford and this was you just sat there for, for hours watching Gary Neville um commentate after the game watching Rio Ferdinand point to Van Persie's 20 on the back of his shirt watching Raphael dancing around singing Campeones all of this and it it felt this was before we knew Ferguson was tying it felt like United had taken over and were going to be the dominant side again City weren't going to get an eye in and, and yet anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm, I can remember watching this game so vividly it was on on a Monday night I'm pretty sure and it was just a I mean it was like each goal that went in, you thought it couldn't get any better. And then the volley went in and you thought, wow. And Van Persie completes his hat-trick and the whole game just seemed to be so brilliant for United. It was such a crowning moment. And obviously, eventually, we, we later found out it would be Ferguson's last season. It was such a fitting way for him to, to end his reign as United manager. Yeah, just uh, those those kind of crowning. You don't often get, as a team, those crowning moments where... It, it doesn't come down to near the end of May and instead United just had this opportunity to complete it and they did so. Yeah. Um, we should also mention the the 7-1 where Berbatov scored five goals for United against Blackburn, which we'd actually forgotten about until just before we started recording yeah. this. And I thought, was was that in 2010? 
was it just about in the in the 2010s? And it was November 2010. Dimitar Berbatov scores five in United win seven one. And Paul Young's messaging to say, how about the Boxing Day four three against Newcastle in the 2012-13 title winning season? That was a great match, which encompassed the never say die spirit of Manchester United. And he has got a point there. So plenty to choose from, and we should also mention Paris Saint Germain, which we've already discussed so far. Um, just before we end our, our review of the decade, and it hasn't really been a review; it's more been a uh, a reminiscing, if you like, but your team of the decade, Jack. Yeah, I was thinking about this for a few hours before we were recording, and I think in a lot of the positions, it ends up coming down to uh, just the fact that there were, there were very few candidates in a lot of the, the positions. You look at right back, centre back, even central midfield, there has a real lack of competition in those areas, not because any particular player has been a standout, just simply because we haven't had many established, very, very good players. But I think for me, Probably the easiest pick of the whole thing is De Gea in goal. And then I'd I'd have to go with Antonio Valencia at right back. I was tempted to think about Raphael, but I just think Valencia, despite how bad he was in the last couple of seasons, he was a very good servant for United and served us so well at right back for a number of years. And then even though they probably weren't at their best this decade, I'd have to go with Ferdinand and Vidic at centre-back. Probably the best, or at least one of the best United centre-back partnerships we've ever seen. As I said, although they weren't at their best in this decade, it was more the back end of last decade. I think we just haven't had anyone that would take them out of that team. Left back for me, Patrice Evra. Uh, again, similar to uh, to Ferdinand Vidic. Probably wasn't quite his best for a lot of this decade, but we've just never had anyone who would come out. It's not going to be Luke Shaw, is it? No, exactly, exactly. No one's come, come in to take him out of that team. And then the midfield is where it gets tricky for me. Yeah. I think I would the, the, the one that's nailed on for me is Michael Carrick. I think he was yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. the best the best midfielder of this decade with, without a quest shadow of a doubt. I'm tempted to put Paul Scholes in simply because even though he only played for a few years at the start of the decade, he was unbelievable even at such a you know relatively old age and he yeah, offered us the, so much. The thing with Scholes is that he came back out retirement and helped United to, to, to win the league and that, that yeah. shows his importance. And to be honest, I was thinking about this um, in the car earlier today and I thought, in terms of importance over the second half of the decade, United's most important midfielder was probably Maran Fellaini in terms of the yeah. goals he scored and the games he played and everything. But Skulls, it's got to be Carrick and Skulls in that midfield position. And then I'll, I'll go for my front line first. There's a few things I've got yeah. to say about the defence as well, but I'd go a, a slightly strange front, a, a 4-2-4 formation with Rashford on the right, Wayne Rooney just behind Ron Van Persie and Anthony Martial on the left, four in terms of longevity, importance, and and all of that. Yeah, I think that this was a conundrum that I was having, whether to go with the four two four, maybe go with the four three three, and put in potentially Paul Pogba or Ryan Giggs in midfield, and then I think the front three that is without question is is Rashford, Rooney, and Van Persie. It's really that third, either third midfielder or fourth forward that I would struggle to decide on. I think if I had to, if I had to make a final decision. I think just because of how important he was in steering us to those magical moments at the start of the decade, I'd put Ryan Giggs in as a, as a sort of number 10 and then have a front three of Rashford, Rooney and Van Persie. Yeah, right. Let me just go back to my defence because I went for Raphael at right back purely because I just... Because in terms of longevity, you've got to go Antonio Valencia. But from 2010 to 2014, kind of, maybe 2013, but Valencia really became the right back in, in 2015. From... For those first four years, Raphael was just brilliant to watch. He loved him, getting into little scraps, scoring great goals from long range, <laughs> and doing everything you want a United player. He's not that good, but he's pretty good. 
what you want them to do. So I put Rafael in there. I also he was put, a he was definitely a fan favorite, if not if even if he lacked quality on the yeah. Pitch. And I just love watching him, and and I'd love for, I'd love to I I love to think about him, even though he'll never hear about my team of the decade. I love to hear about him sitting in France in Lyon and thinking, oh, I was part of. Manchester United's best team of the decade just because I love him so much he does get a lot a lot of credit for me just for the fact that he's turned into a United super fan yeah, even, yeah. Though, even long after he yeah, left yeah I love it um, and in, in central defence I went for Chris Smalling and Rio Ferdinand which is an incredible thing to say because Smalling <laughs> has got so much criticism from me but in terms of his contribution over the whole decade he's probably been United's apart from Rio he's probably been United's most somehow United's most reliable centre back ahead of Jones. Honestly, I, I was I was tempted to put Johnny Evans in I, at one point. Yeah, I I thought because about it, that, but just deter- in terms of longevity, I couldn't I couldn't do it. Fair. I I think I I I, I couldn't bring myself to put Chris Smalling in an all decade team. And I think if I was going to take Vidic out, probably would have been for Johnny Evans because I think even though he was only here for for a few seasons, when he did play, he, he did play very well. Yeah, I think the best two. I think Vidic probably in the first couple of years, but over the decade, Rio and Evans is probably the the best partnership, but Evans wasn't here for quite long enough. And and the longevity argument is what really gets Smalling in there. And Ferdinand was still at his best for two or three years, whereas Vidic kind of 2010-11 still there, but then started being phased out already for for Evans, Smalling, Jones, whoever. Um, And then, yeah, I went for Patrice Everett left back as well. So some similarities in our teams and, and some discrepancies, but... Some some good teams, but it's 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 quite sad picking that uh, picking that team of the decade because it, it's you just realise yeah really it really realise what's gone a... wrong. Particularly, you can tell what's gone wrong because it's easy to pick the full. It's not so easy to pick the the forwards, but it's very or the goalkeeper, but it's very easy to pick the defensive midfield, and that yeah. that sums things up. And it, and the problem is that in the areas where it is very difficult to pick, it's not because you're spoiled for choice. It's because they just there's not really many options at all. And you're basically yeah, exactly. you're basically left with people who who had very very good contributions for two years at the start of the decade, or players that have had very mediocre contributions for five years at the end of the decade. Yeah, right. Is is the question to finish it? Is which Manchester United players currently in the squad do you think will be in the team of the 2020s when we look back in our in our 15th year in 2030 on the Manchester United weekly podcast? Oh, God, I'll be 32 by then. Um, and I was what eighteen when we started this. I think Rashford is the obvious one, simply because of his age and and I think a few things. One is age and he has a long way to go in his career. Two, the fact he's he's sort of rounding into a world class player, and also because I just don't really see him leaving. Obviously, who knows what's going to happen in the future? But he, you know, came through the United Academy, grew up in in Manchester. I just don't see him leaving. That would be one. I think Scott McTominay potentially for very similar reasons. Um, maybe Brandon Williams potentially Mason Greenwood probably up there I mean it's hard to predict people who aren't at, at United at the moment yeah. but they're, they're probably the ones that I would say are are the best bets from the, the players that we have now Yeah, I the think... only other one I think could potentially maybe Harry Maguire but I don't think he is either good enough or young enough to, unless the next decade goes as badly as this one which it may well do <laughs> I don't think Harry Maguire is either good enough or young enough to be in a team of yeah. the decade I think Rashford is a certain one as long as he's not going to go and sign for Barcelona but I, I feel like he will be here if not in 2030 he would have been here for the majority of the 2020s yeah. unless United just suddenly dive down even worse than they are doing now so Rashford's a cert and the ones you'd hope for is, is 
possibly Mason Greenwood. You would hope that perhaps Anthony Martial can have enough impact and improve enough to do it yeah. as well. Yeah, agree. And De Gea, quite possibly, um, because he. Yeah, would I think especially be... if he keeps up his form at the, at the start of the next yeah. decade. And yeah. it's, it's, it's it, De Gea could be phased out at United because Dean Henderson is a really good young goalkeeper. Matej Kovar is another young one that, if he gets enough experience over the next few years, could challenge in maybe three or four years. Uh, Dean Henderson's fantastic. Joel Pereira is pretty good. Kieran O'Hara. There, there's lots of possible challenges today are within United already so he will probably be the United's goalkeeper for possibly until 2030 but that's not guaranteed but yeah those are the ones well, as we just for. showed with some of our picks in this in this team don't have to play till 2030 to get in the team of the decade <laughs> yeah. even, even if he only plays till 2023 2024 that might be enough to get him in that team yeah if we replace him with the the regeneration of Roy Carroll then he's not going to have much competition um <laughs> Fabian Bartes v2 <laughs> yeah um right we should wrap things up there we've gone way over time but we are reviewing an entire decade so you could probably forgive us for that um thank you very much for tuning in it's it's it's, it's worth remembering on this episode of all episodes that watching United can be a pain at times but even in this season alone even since the start of 2019 um there have just been some some brilliant moments following United yeah. and, and that's what football about beating City beating Spurs but not only that but whether you're going to games or you're watching in a in a bar in America Asia wherever you are in, in South Africa or, or wherever you are if you're watching in a bar with your mates and you're watching your favourite football club then there there are worse things in life to do and, and even when they lose it's it's not the end of the world and that's that's always something worth remembering absolutely and I think you know even if even though this has been such a terrible decade for United and it's probably one that a lot of us will want to forget very quickly even in the darkest years for United there have been some properly good moments as we've just talked about and I think there aren't many clubs who could have an awful awful decade and still win five trophies and still have some of the moments that we have to take from this decade yeah when you're when you're next complaining about United and it's not to say that it's an excuse for the the bad things going on at the moment but it's worth bearing in mind that this has been what we think is a bad decade and I've seen my club win the Premier League twice, reach the Champions League final, win the Europa League, win the League Cup and the FA Cup and all in all it's been a pretty bad 10 years so I, th- I think yeah. we're doing okay in, in terms of the football club we've chosen or, or we've been lucky enough to, yeah. to support. Um, for more from us on Twitter you can find Jack at at UTD Tate T-A-I-T and me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod P-O-D at the end there. Thanks for supporting us into a new decade into 2020 into our fifth year as a podcast we started I think it was on January the 2nd 2016 when Wayne Rooney had just scored a little flick behind him to give United a 2-1 win against Swansea City under Louis van Gaal things have certainly changed and hopefully for the better thanks for joining in as always goodbye Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.